0: Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching and we are here to support you in parenting your highly sensitive child or teen who is stuck in the meltdown shutdown cycle and today we're going to cover whether or not you should take your child or teen to therapy to solve that problem. Hello and welcome to how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. and help your child express their needs safely, without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Here we have at, at MTC a proven track record of supporting parents uh, of highly sensitive kids, supporting teens and their kid and their and their parents in breaking out of the uh, shutdown cycle our meltdown cycle, for for typically more for children, in as little as eight weeks. And I am also a licensed therapist. And so I've been doing this for over a decade in various capacities and in serving families through the coaching capacity for many, many years. And when we think about being able to break out of this cycle consistently, here at MTC, we've helped our coaching clients, uh, over 350 and counting of them, break out of this meltdown cycle And do that without therapy. We're not their therapist, (laughs) so let's cover where, when, or how uh, you should be covering. You should be focusing on therapy to for your highly sensitive child. And if your highly sensitive child is stuck in the meltdown cycle, therapy is not likely the answer. Now, wait a minute, Megan. Isn't that a disservice? Isn't that wrong for you to say as a licensed therapist that that somebody shouldn't go to therapy? No. Doctors tell you all the time, I tell people all the time that somebody might not need medical care. Um, they might say that there's a disclaimer at the end of that, right? That there's there's some information that obviously is individual specific and we're gonna cover that. But it's important to understand that with my specialty and with my expertise, helping you understand what method of service is absolutely an ethical thing to do. It would be unethical for me to say that therapy is a catch-all, right? Uh, That's not appropriate. So when we think about the important component of breaking out of the meltdown cycle and what actually helps highly sensitive kids and families with highly sensitive kids and teens who are stuck in that meltdown cycle... Break out of this consistently. I have to tell you, it is not therapy. So let's break this they break this down now. If your child is, let's make sure that you understand what what I mean by the meltdown cycle. If your child is emotionally stuck and and they are hitting, kicking, screaming, having daily meltdowns multiple times a day, melting down, throwing things, throwing their body on the floor, saying things like "I wish I were dead. You would be life would be better off without you." Life would be better off without me. I want a different family. Packing their bags and running away, leaving, just going up, up the street even, going, uh, running away to their rooms, slamming their, slamming their doors. All of this behavior okay, is a symptom of the meltdown cycle. If your child is highly sensitive and they have not experienced or witnessed significant trauma to include uh, domestic violence, abuse, Um, multiple chronic uh, traumatic events like fires or um, earthquakes or school shootings, then your child's meltdowns are likely due to a family dynamic issue and not an environmental circumstance outside of the family dynamic. And so it's very important to understand that therapy for highly sensitive kids is not the best avenue of support. It's also important to understand that there is not all therapy is is um, is uh, you know one size fits all or uh, going you know not all therapy is going to be effective and some can be quite damaging for highly sensitive kids. So we're going to talk about that today as well because you might not decide to listen to me about the therapy piece, but you better listen to me in terms of what therapy is going to create even more harm for your sensitive kid. So when we think about the um, important piece related to breaking out of the meltdown cycle, you've heard me say this multiple times, you have to pay attention to uh, the, the research that demonstrates that highly sensitive kids are much more likely to change their behavior when their relationship in the parent-child dynamic shifts, which means your child might feel better, they might change their behavior, uh, but, they might, but the, it's unlikely that the symptoms of the meltdown cycle are going to go away. If you're just doing therapy, your child is going to see a professional outside of the home and working with that professional alone. That is not going to work. I ran my private practice and did uh, worked for other people in private practice and it for many, many, many years. Taught other therapists how to run uh, a system like this, and we never did individual therapy. It was not successful in solving this problem. If parents did not want to work with us directly and work with us consistently, then we referred them to th- providers who would accept b- less than perfection and uh, because it was not an appropriate model. And so that was important for you to notice. I used to do all that kind of stuff. D- don't do it anymore. Why? Because it doesn't work. So um, high standards in my private practice. And here in my coaching company, we, we tout the same uh, responsibilities, because we only do what works in eliminating the meltdown cycle. And our track record speaks for that. Uh, you can you don't have to just listen to me, you can listen to any one of our uh, clients testimonials, any of those videos, you will hear that parents who worked with us are either therapists themselves, and new therapy wasn't going to work. So they didn't try it. Or Uh, they tried therapy, it didn't work, and then they found us. Okay, so uh, that's typically how things work for for our clientele. 70% of the clients that we work with have at least one parent in the helping field. That means that they are parents. Um, Those parents are teachers, uh, doctors, nurses, therapists, um, school counselors, etc., so they understand what is missing in the industry of helping children and they realize that their highly sensitive child is unique and a minority in the child dynamic. So does child therapy work? Absolutely. Does it work to break out of the pattern of, of, of the meltdown cycle? No, it doesn't. And I can say that definitively, we've helped hundreds of families who have dealt with the same problem, tried those old, old results, uh, tried those old strategies and did not get the results that we helped them get. So when we think about breaking out of this pattern consistently, it's important for you to notice because you might be hearing from many professionals, pediatricians, Teachers, uh, school principals, school counselors who who don't have highly sensitive kids, who haven't been doing the research for eons on Google, who haven't been trying the strategies that traditionalists will say, uh, they're going to tout traditional responses. Why? Because they're going to assume that your child is not highly sensitive and they will be giving you advice related to non highly sensitive children. Well, your child is highly sensitive. That means that you need to follow advice givers who understand the, the highly sensitive dynamic. And who understand how to break out of the meltdown cycle and so i'm pretty clear about this and i'm not here to be sensationalists i only speak about uh, these issues with direct and specific passion when i know that there is no other answer Um, and and this is a serious matter if your child is, is thinking that life would be better off without them, that's a suicidal thought. It's incredibly for, important for you to understand the children who make those statements, whether they are 5, 10, 15, uh, they understand more about death. Than what adults give them credit to. You can look at the research around around this from CD, from the CDC, uh, the United in the United States. This is not something I'm just making up, or that I'm only using my 10 years of experience and extensive training to share with you. Uh, there are also federal studies that discuss this at length. So when we understand the the importance and this and the seriousness of the matter that I'm discussing. Uh, you can also notice I understand the risks of making a public statement like this, and I am okay doing that. Uh, you can get mad at me about it, and that's fine, uh, because it's not my job to make you happy. It's my job to help you help yourself, help your child feel happy, um, and to do that consistently and repeatedly, and also feel okay when they're sad, so much so that they don't want to escape their life. That is the life-saving work we do here at MTC, and, um, and, and we're not stopping. So um, noticing that let 's talk about therapy let 's talk about why therapy isn't working for your highly sensitive child, uh, why the the traditional models don't work, especially if you're following a traditional behaviorist model in a therapy setting which unfortunately most child therapists are going to follow. Um, and and why a lot of these patterns are keeping your your family stuck in this dynamic. So oftentimes we will see uh, first and foremost a primarily behaviorist model, um, behaviorist models like ABA, PCIT, CBT. Um, even cognitive behavior therapy, which is CBT, uh, touts itself as a, a thinking and behavior-based focus, uh, but it is, it is primarily a behavior-based focused um, intervention. And all of those uh, approaches don't support the child in feeling validated as a highly sensitive person. And when you're highly sensitive, you need to be noticed as such in order to feel differently about who you are highly sensitive children who grow up in an invalidating environment purely by a mismatch in parenting again i'm not talking about trauma that's obviously invalidating when people mistreat you uh, when you're abused obviously you don't feel like you're worth it in in the world purely by a mismatch in parenting my parents not understanding how big the feelings are how deep the feelings are and how many feelings a child is feeling and use traditional ways to help the child change the behavior, which might be reassurance, something as benign as reassurance, um, or something as severe as physical punishment or groundings. Perpetual invalidation for a child who's highly sensitive leads to a higher likelihood of suicidal acts in adolescence. That's, I'm not talking about just thinking about wanting to die. I'm talking about attempts to die. I'm talking about self-harm, consistently cutting, okay, um, life-threatening or life-impairing decisions, uh, risky sexual behavior, risky uh, alcohol use, etc. How do I know this? Because uh, that's been my specialty for over a decade in serving this population uh, in the in the mental health field. And so, in noticing what you know. Adolescents don't all of a sudden, out of a blue, start thinking that they should die. Right? This is a this is a simmering pot situation that eventually boils over. And so, when sensitive children demonstrate the signs that lead to to that behavior in sensitive adolescents, once I learned uh, those signs many years ago, um, uh, what I was able to uh, understand and teach parents about uh, that automatically decreased the meltdown cycle in in the household and obviously it meant the children weren't feeling like life would be better off without them so it's a shift that you can make now and it's a shift that you should make now so that you don't uh, see this consistency uh, later on now I'm not here to scare you Uh, I'm here to help you notice that you're doing the wrong thing, right? Uh, the wrong, using the wrong strategy. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent, uh, because obviously if you're trying to seek support, then, um, then that's a good thing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And it is important for you to notice how and when uh, appropriate support is being accessed by your family, and what advice you should be following when you're turning uh, turning this dynamic around in your family. And so, uh, in in breaking out of that pattern of invalidation, you can look up Marsha Linehan's research. She's had decades worth of research uh, focused on on designing the only treatment that. Um, breaks down the pattern of chronic suicidal thoughts and actions by sensitive people that leads to chronic self-harm, chronic suicidal um, actions, chronic hospitalizations, chronic risk behavior, behavior, chronic intense drug use. Um, That's dialectical behavior therapy. In order to be trained in dialectical behavior therapy and to do it in an effective way, you need to be able to have... um, Received over 30 plus postmasters' experience in training, just to do the very bare minimum of uh, of that type of treatment, and uh, to effect change, you need to continue your your experience. So, as a clinician who started at that many many years ago, started with that initial training. I was able to take that understanding and that awareness, and all of the research that has been used around the world for DBT, and uh, break that pattern um, earlier with parents of my child clients in my individ- on my individual caseload. But I did that by working with parents, not by working with the individual child. And so when we think about noticing the work that I never did, which was such behavior work like PCIT or ABA, uh, because those types of treatments train your child like they are a dog, you give them a treat when they do what you want them to do, whether they feel like it, or they feel better about it or not. Um, That in and of itself teaches not only at their minimum, external rewards, which is um, bribery. uh, But it also teaches kids that their feelings don't matter. And it teaches kids to be people pleasing workaholics at best. Uh, which is the exact same symptom of the meltdown cycle for, for highly sensitive kids. So you're just basically perpetuating the problem, um, and mitigating the, the risky intense behavior that we see, um, but what you're also doing is, is perpetuating the chronic invalidation, your feelings, your actions, your needs don't matter. What, what matters is what you produce for me. And children are not our happiness producers. Uh, we as adults are uh, in charge of our own emotions. And it's important for us to feel a-okay parenting our kids as our kids are struggling. And those two things need to make sure we need to, we need to make sure that we're not tying our child's emotional health um to any rewards that we are giving them. Uh that's that's very very important that we that we make sure that we're not uh, asking our children to perform happiness in order to make us happy. Uh that is absolutely inappropriate as an adult child um relationship. And so rewards don't work. Um they do not get you the result that you want for your child, which is to raise a healthy and emotionally managed adult who can handle problems um, without getting accolades for them uh, when they achieve it right because if you're not clear on solving a problem and what you're going to win in order to solve it you won't solve it right um and and that's really really important you can't train your kid like a dog so uh it might be fun right you you might be able to pick nice rewards quote-unquote play-based aba um, or quote unquote, um, you know, or, or PCIT is literally done in a playroom with a bug in the air where you're, you're a parent and you're in the playroom and, um, your child is engaging in behavior and you're taught to uh, ignore the child's behavior. And by literally shutting down your face and turning away from your child when they're engaging in, in behavior, you don't want to see, what does that do? It completely shuts down the, the connection that your child has when they're trying to, reach out to you they don't know how to to reach out to you safely you have to teach them to do that you can't teach them to do that by shunning them when they don't do what you want Um, your attention support love and connection should never be contingent upon your child's behavior that is conditional love and we need to raise our children with unconditional love i love you no matter what you say that to your kid But if you are telling your child that they get rewards when they behave well, and then you tell them that you love them no matter what, you are contradicting yourself six ways to Sunday. So traditional therapy in those standpoints are not going to work. CBT is not going to work to solve the problem. Why? Because it breaks out of the thinking pattern when this is an emotional pattern. Your child has an emotional overwhelm pattern. Highly sensitive kids are more prone to being easily overstimulated. That is an external experience. And so just telling them that they're thinking differently about it will make them feel better is not going to solve the problem. It is going to make them think they're crazy. (laughs) Um and and that's so so frustrating and so so upsetting and so what happens is kids go to the therapy session and they say to the therapist who's doing CBT, um, you know when the when the therapist asks what the worst could happen if they're worried about going taking a test and the the kid says well I could, um, the worst could happen is that I fail and then the t te- and then the therapist says. Well, if you fail, what's the worst that could happen then? And then the the kid says, well, um, uh, I guess my teacher might not like me. Well, is that true? No, my teacher probably will still like me. Okay. So then should you worry about it? No. What feeling should you have instead? I want to feel calm. Okay. Let's practice feeling calm before you go take your test. The problem with that, ha- what, with that approach is that it doesn't support the child in noticing that their worries are not just single-minded like that. They are not just singular focused like that. Uh, their worries are much more pervasive. Highly sensitive kids think about 10 different things at the same time and 10 different scenarios, uh, if this, then that's. And when you're breaking down one at a time and one at a time and you're telling your child that they're wrong when they think, That's going to perpetuate low self-esteem. And so what happens is they don't want to make the therapist sad. And so they show up to the therapist and they give the therapist the right answer. And then they go home and when you say, let's use the coping skill that your therapist taught you, they say, no, it won't work. Why? Why? because the therapist never had a connection to the child's emotional experience in the first place. The therapist was using a strategy that works for highly for non-highly sensitive kids. And this is an experience where a non-highly sensitive child is expected to be internally resourced internally. They can feel better about something. And then they can think about being capable, highly sensitive kids need to feel externally resourced. That means that they cannot be seeking external support or external pride by performing well, and then let that lead to their, um, internal motivation to be emotionally and physically safe. Those two things don't feel, uh, don't, don't work. That that pattern doesn't work. So what I mean by that is if you're using external rewards, like attention or Um, sticker charts or prizes or any other sort of party to celebrate your kid's success as a motivator to change the behavior, then your child is going to not notice um, how they can get from A to B. Instead, they're only going to be trying to get to A to B based on what they think you want to see. So that means emotionally, they're not making choices because they feel safe or because they feel like they can. And so they fake it till they make it. But they don't ever actually make it. It's tiring. It's exhausting. Some highly sensitive people might call it masking. Pretending that they are um, some highly sensitive adults might be picking up on that language. Uh, pretending that everything's fine when internally they're screaming. And uh, that dynamic is, is a behavior that we see when there's chronic invalidation in the experience. Um, And and this is important to understand, especially uh, for highly sensitive people who have started to wonder whether or not they fit the autism spectrum, uh, if they're autistic. And um, masking is behavior that autistic people will often demonstrate. But if you're highly sensitive, uh, you're taught to mask for a different reason. So um, this is not just one kind of check the box. Oh, maybe I'm not even highly sensitive. Um, that's another training, I'm sure. But um, when we cover what's going on, what you're doing is you're teaching your child to uh, pretend that everything's fine. And what happens when you pretend everything's fine? You've heard me say this before, right? Kids who hold it all in, pretending everything's fine all day, they're not processing their emotions, they're checking out from them. So tick, 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 boom right? Eventually a straw breaks the camel's back and your seven-year-old is pissed at your four-year-old because the four-year-old touched their Lego uh, city. And now the Legos are on the floor and it crashed. And everything's broken, and they wallop the four-year-old in the face, and you're like, whoa, that was something you could totally rebuild. And where did that come from? Well, seven-year-old's been trying to perform and be perfect all day long, trying to get other people to make to make other people happy. The one second they get the opportunity to make themselves happy and it doesn't go well, they can't they can't handle it anymore. Okay. So this is really important to understand. This is not just relevant for a sensitive seven-year-old. This is true for 11-year-olds, 14-year-olds might not wall up their, their younger children and their younger siblings anymore. They might not wallop you anymore, uh, but, but they, they will be internally saying just, you know what, it's not even worth it. I'm not getting the same results. Nobody's giving me any stickers anymore. The sneakers I want aren't coming fast enough. Um, and you know there's too much on my plate to, to even earn them in the first place, so it's just tiring. I'm I'm done. I'm over it. And at that point, the um, the shiny objects stop being as shiny, and uh, and so we see sensitive kids struggle uh, into sensitive adolescence uh, because it's it's just too much to to bear. Right. Think about this. You might think earlier on in your kid's childhood, rewards aren't that. Big of a deal, you know. I I go to work and I earn money, um, but you don't earn money for the sake of money. You're not doing any kind of work for any kind of money, right? Uh, you're using money as a conduit. Money is a middleman, um, and you're using money to pay for a roof over your head. You're using money to uh, live the lifestyle that you want. You're using money to experience the life that you want, right? Uh, and so, money is a tool. But when you give children rewards, they're not experiencing that reward as a tool, they're experiencing that reward as an end result. And that is the difference between thinking that rewards and and bribery is is just an A-OK part of life. And noticing that as adults we get paid, but we get paid um, not to just hoard like Scrooge or or Scrooge McDuck or whatever, right? Um, We get paid because we're providing value in the world, and then that allows us to then take the value that we receive for providing value in the world to then live a valuable life ourselves, and that means that that money is just a, a middle experience. It's, it's purely energy being shifted from one person to the next and, and being repurposed. So um, what unfortunately happens is that you end up perpetuating greed, you end up perpetuating um, um, superficiality, materialistic experiences when you use um, money as rewards. And for children, you might not be paying your kid for, for those experiences, but you'd be paying them in toys, or, um, or stickers or, or a combination of, of all of them. And so your kid starts building a belief uh, that if they do well, they get something out of it. And while uh, that might be true in some parts of life, uh, we need to be able to persist even if we do well and we don't get something immediately out of it. It means we need to assess, hmm, is there something better I could be doing? Is this position right for me? Uh, is it me? Uh, did I really do it well? Like I thought I did or not. Right. And so that's the concept of resilience. But if you don't get the automatic reward, like a slot machine um, paying out every time, then, uh, then you're going to lose motivation to keep going. What do we get then? Millennials in the basement. I didn't get a fast enough reward, so I'm quitting. Right. Um, so that's not helpful. Right. Right. Um, we get, we get millennials in the basement expecting themselves to be influencers, uh, and sad that their first video didn't get 7,000 million hits, um, or, or, or whatever. And then they just quit. Right. So, um, I, I know that I'm dating myself because it's not the millennial generation anymore. That is uh, the younger, young adult generation. Um, uh, but that, that, that is a massive generation that we see, um, in our um, in our society, that is significantly suffering in young adulthood, and had a lot of uh, of challenges and failure to thrive in young adulthood, and so we can watch uh, Generation Z and whether or not it, it's going to follow the same suit. And it's up to us as parents to notice how are we raising our children? Are we raising our children to expect to get rewards every time that they perform, um, and only and to only view their their success based on our Uh, belief of their success and uh, highly sensitive kids are much more detail oriented. They are much more aware of the community as a whole and if they notice that uh that the, we are only motivated by their effective behavior they will pick up on whether or not they're truly cared for and uh whether you whether you want to send that message or not your child is going to perceive that you don't really care about them and that's what leads to the thought process of you don't love me you hate me etc so there's connections here that i hope that we're making in in putting these these um these pieces together When you're seeking professional support that perpetuates the problem, it's important for you to know that and I am a-okay telling you to not use those types of therapies. Now, let's look at this uh, from a different perspective. As a play therapist, it's also important to notice that traditional play therapy doesn't work. Traditional play therapy puts your kid in a position to still expect them to be internally resourced. They're still expected to generalize a skill from a play therapy setting. In the, the one-on-one setting where they are heard, cared for, understood, uh, you know, supported and feeling any feelings and without direct skill instruction expected to then feel better outside of the session. And that also is not effective for sensitive kids, nor sensitive teens, nor sensitive adults. There needs to be a balance of emotional control, validation, and uh, regulation skills taught In addition to systematic skill building, and that is not taught in general child center play therapy, it's also not taught in quote unquote play therapy, where the person is not actually um, registered as a play therapist or trained specifically in play therapy. So it's important for you to notice that your child might be talked to with toys in the room and that is not play therapy. So, um, most times we will see, uh, parents who are working with play therapists, the play therapist either has very little experience calling them and has no business calling themselves a play, a play therapist, or, uh, and so as a result, they're playing games like, um, you know, card games and to get the kid to tell them about their day and distracting the child with toys in the room, or, um, they potentially have experience as, as play therapists and maybe even a lot of training in that, but the majority of their experience is in, in um, and as a result um, in serving the clientele that they serve and in the mission that they serve is in serving traumatized children and children who have experienced significant trauma can benefit significantly from play therapy and uh, can benefit quite Quite regularly from um, from that experience because internal resources is, is where children need to start to build um, those skills and most children aren't highly sensitive and so as a result um, eighty percent of the population ends up going to therapy and ends up having some successful results from play therapy, but um, that's because the environmental circumstances are are what led to the emotional damage that needs healing. And so, when we think about highly sensitive kids, highly sensitive kids aren't emotionally damaged; they're not broken. What's broken is the family dynamic, the parenting dynamic, the parenting strategy—not you, not your child, right? Uh, not the relationship between you and your child, because obviously you care and you love your child and you want to help, but the way you're trying to teach your child—that is what's disjointed. That is what's broken. Uh, that's what needs to change. And you're not going to be changing that by sending your kid to a session by themselves, or by sending your kid to a session where you're you're expected to give them rewards, um, or you know, taught an effective uh, skill set to manage their behavior. All of that is simply not going to be effective. And so I'm happy to tell you uh, that that the strategy you're using isn't working because uh, that would be the ethical thing to do, right? Um, What does work? You've heard me say this before. We've already talked a little bit about it. You need to be the one teaching your child to manage these these, uh, skills, to manage their emotions. You have to change the way that you see your child. You have to understand the highly sensitive trait. Um, and, and this is something that takes l- learning and direct instruction from an expert. You can't just read a book and, and see how your kid fits. You know, we've had so many clients read Dr. Aaron's books um, and, and still feel confused about how their kid fits the personality trait. Um, read it two, three times over and still feel confused about breaking out of the meltdown cycle. Um, this is not something that just educating yourself in instructional information Uh, is going to solve the problem. You need practical application of that skill. You need support in um, in assessing how you're applying the skill. And we do that with our clients by directly um, assessing their experiences with their children. And uh, doing that consistently is something that's going to be um, relevant for you And in order to have the stamina to break out of that meltdown cycle. Because uh, when your child's having a meltdown on a daily basis, you're tired. Um, you're exhausted, you're drained, you're thinking about your kid every single morning and wondering how you're going to avoid the the landmines of the meltdowns on a daily basis, or how you're going to even get a word in edgewise before they escape up to their room. And so the, the experience of even implementing strategies that these books talk about, um, or the therapist brings up uh, can be really, really frustrating, right? Um, you know, I, I saw it countless times, I recommended those books to my um, to my therapy clients before I started realizing that direct instruction and support needed to be more of a, um, hands-on approach and a more intense approach than, um, than just sending parents uh, to the waiting room with a copy of the book, which is literally what I did. Uh, I bought copies and said, here, here's your reading. Here's your bookmark. Your bookmark is is the color red. I have other parents who are reading the same book in the lobby and um, their bookmarks are different colors. So make sure you don't get mixed up, right? Uh, that doesn't work. It doesn't actually solve the problem. And, um, there are plenty of books out there who will give you great, that will give you great information, but that's not transformation transformation requires direct and and strategic support and a strategy, not a catch all. Here's how to solve the problem for, for 700 different kinds of kids. Um, and so when we think about breaking out of this pattern, Um, thinking about it from a global perspective, isn't the way to solve the problem. You need to go granular, granular. You need to look at how to, how to solve the problem for your particular child. That means that you need to apply a system that is then troubleshooted and, um, tweaked, and personalized for your kid which means you need to be working with somebody directly Um, anybody who's who's got a drag and drop here's how to solve the problem and i'm not here to support you solving it but good luck um, is just there to take some cash out of your wallet they're not here to actually solve the problem people who are here to solve the problem going to be willing to invest their time money energy and education in making sure your particular family sees results and uh, that's the quality of service that you need to be able to to uh, focus on in order to to notice a massive change in your family dynamic and to do it quickly Uh, because if your family's been suffering for years it doesn't need to take years to to turn this around Um, and so then when we think about being able to do that and, and to do that consistently for multiple families, you need to notice who is teaching you. So we covered uh, therapists, right, and whether or not they even understand the personality trait um, as, as part of the, the model that's allowing them to apply the skills that they went to school for and studied very hard um, to, you know, to attain. And um, uh, learning about the personality trait is not something that therapists learn about. They, we don't, they don't teach temperament type. Um, even in, in childhood development classes, um, that we are required to, to, well, we're not required to take childhood development classes in our master's level, um, school settings for most states. We are, um, required to take, uh, lifespan development though. So, you know, t- think about taking a semester's worth of understanding every developmental stage for the whole entire human, uh, existence. So you're going to spend, um, a quarter of a quarter on understanding kids, Um, and that's required by all therapists and then, um, temperament type doesn't even like, there's just no time for that, um, in a, in a curriculum. And so it's not covered in, um, in the professional experience during the master's degree and then post-masters, um, most professionals need to take CEUs that are actually going to get credit. And that credit needs to be uh, focused on treating a mental health disorder um, and providing us a mental health treatment and temperament is not something that is designed, uh, that is needed to be treated. And so uh, CEUs that are going to glean um, credits for a therapist to keep their license isn't likely going to include temperament um, because it's not focused on mental health disorder. Uh, It's it's focused on on a personality. Okay, so the higher, the lower likelihood of finding a therapist who understands the personality trait means you need to have a therapist who is self taught, self led, self directed, um, and self motivated to learn outside of what their licensure requirements are, which is where, um, you know, therapists like myself was, was able to understand it. But I learned it first because I received training in serving sensitive people with chronic suicidal thoughts and and self-harmful behavior and then you know my personal experience is also um added to this so again took years and years to even bring this onto my radar um and and uh while i don't believe in chance i i do know that um my personal experiences needed to make that a a pretty big highlight otherwise i would have just um uh I want, to say, I want I have a word on the tip of my tongue that is not the word I want to use. So give me a second. Um, well, I'm going to have to use it because I don't know what else to say. I would have just vilified the personality uh, trait if I didn't notice that that trait was in my sister. Uh, if I didn't have the personal experience of watching my sister suffer, um, then I likely would have stigmatized uh, the sensitive personality trait as impending borderline personality disorder and not seen it as a, as a temperament type. Um, because that's what the research covers. The research covers borderline personality disorder. And even now in the early, uh, in the latest DSM, which is the diagnostic and statistic model, um, now borderline traits are allowed to be provided as a diagnostic tool, uh, for children, uh, before they hit 18. Uh, so we are quote unquote deciding that kids are doomed, uh, with a, with a really significant, um, um. Uh, label, um, before they even hit adulthood. And, um, and so that's not going in the right direction in terms of supporting, um, in terms of supporting sensitive kids. And, um, and so even if I had learned this, you know, in a different way, um, it still would have been, uh, in a way that, that was stigmatizing in a way that was, um, you know, labeling kids as broken, et cetera. Um, you know, um, uh, and, and, and so thankfully, uh, knowing my sister and, and her personal experiences being sensitive and noticing that my parents, um, you know, didn't, uh, you know, she wasn't a, a, a trauma victim in terms of her upbringing, um, that it, it, you know, it created a totally different approach for me and my brain um, in terms of being able to see how kids can struggle at that level that my sister struggled without it being uh, such an environmental uh, issue or um you know brain chemistry issue and so when we think about sensitive nervous system think about being able to break out of this pattern consistently we think about being able to to solve this problem consistently for hundreds of people Uh, you need to be able to notice how your family can solve it as well and that means that you need to be playful you need to you know uh, you need to engage in a playful way and so um, t- children need to be taught through emotional um, wellness and through, um, through supportive means and that needs to be strategic. Like I said, if you've got a lot of uh, uh, exhaustion on your plate, um, you're just trying to solve this problem for the years that you've been trying to solve this then it can be really hard to call up being playful. So it works; it makes sense to work with somebody who can give you those play-based activities in a strategic way so that it, uh, it's just you know, take the head work out of it, take the research out of it. And uh, you can support your children in breaking out of this cycle. That means that your highly sensitive child no longer has to feel um, like the, the world is crashing on them, that they are out of control in their own bodies. Uh, your sensitive teen doesn't have to think um, that you know, life is life is is hard, uh, and that they'll always be suffering. And uh, your family can go on family trips. Your family can go on family experiences. You can take spontaneous trips to the grocery store without meltdowns, uh, let alone obviously spontaneous trips to the park, um, go to Disney, etc., and all those experiences without holding your breath, without bribing bribing your kid. Without feeling like you need to um, use any of these um, experiences as, um, as a carrot for your kid to to perform. And instead, your child feels capable inside their own bodies. They creatively solve their problems. They experience any kind of challenge. Whether you think it should be a challenge for them or not, doesn't matter. If it's a challenge for them, they can experience it powerfully. They can take deep breaths. They can say, you know what, I'm scared about this, but it's okay, mama, I can do it. And that, that is the emotional experience that you can experience on a daily basis. You and your family can have that. Like I said, if you're in the meltdown cycle and that's the only cause of the challenge that you're having, therapy isn't the way to solve the problem. And therapy could be the way to solve the problem if your family is dealing with a different dynamic than what I'm discussing. So we're happy to have a talk with you okay um, so this is that disclaimer i talked about at the very beginning um, anybody who's a professional with the right mind and the license on the line um, is going to say uh, that that they are not a one-size-fits-all that they can't answer questions to strangers on the internet with a, a a quick text of information or a quick facebook post of information but a thorough conversation about whether or not what we do is going to work yeah I, I've trained my team to be able to assess that effectively. So we can certainly support you in that. And, uh, and notice whether or not that that or something else like therapy would be more appropriate to solve your family's needs based on your family's experiences and your family's circumstances. And uh, we're happy to, to do that for free. So uh, experience that in, for you in order to achieve the life that you want. And we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen. What your goals are for supporting your child's development, and if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen, and we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So, to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com/backslash/call. I'm Megan Thompson and we look forward to speaking to you soon.